When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Welcome to the Montana State Athletics Bobcat Insider Podcast. This is your home for all things Montana State Athletics. Now, here's your host, Keaton Galogli. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bobcat Insider Podcast. I'm Keaton Galogli alongside Daniel Sally. Daniel, what are you doing? How do you, what do you know? How are you feeling? What's going on? Um, well, first of all, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's really cold out right now. And uh, the road's not in the best shape, but, you know, I'm just taking it slow and had a nice productive day at work. And now here we are getting to talk a little Bobcat athletics. So I can't really complain. I like it. I like it. Let's see. So we're talking on Monday night. So you may be listening to this at any point during the week. Uh, when I started my car this morning, it was negative 18. Yeah, that's pretty cold. <laughs> For lack of a better word. <laughs> I walked out today. I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. It, you know, I spent my whole Sunday pretty much inside. So then uh, this morning, it was definitely a friendly reminder of what's really going on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would like to give a shout out to the Purple Palace, my 2002 Chrysler Voyager. Uh, it started up no problem after sitting underneath the snow and uh, in the cold in negative 10. Uh, for five days, we started up on Sunday after we got back. So it was negative 10 when it started up. Uh, it screamed at me a little, but it was okay. And I took the long way home to kind of drive it. And I can't open the side doors because those are completely frozen shut for now. And then I started it again this morning, Monday morning at uh, 730, kind of before the sun had totally come up and when it was negative 18. And it did, again, scream at me, but um, it did also start. So I also took the long way that day, too, so that I could get it totally warm. <laughs> What's not to love about minivans? People keep laughing at me. When we go on the, the basketball trips and we rent cars and I'm right. driving around in a minivan, I keep, I always tell you, like, I, I would like to own one one day. Like when I, you know, finally work up the courage to, you know, really uh, become an adult and like buy a car, then I want to buy a minivan and everyone just gives me a bunch of grief for it. But I just think they're so reliable. I mean, they really are. Uh, this is a 21 year old car that started in negative <laughs> 18 today. Battle-tested, bulletproof, whatever you want to call it, that thing's the beast. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, I think that's a really admirable goal, and I look forward to you achieving that someday. Hey, you know what? I'll, you'll be the first person I call. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, well, uh, let's dive into some hoops. But before we do that, I want to remind you of the Bobcat Insider Podcast is brought to you by Blackfoot Communications. Have you found your dream home but dread having to move? Call Mesa Moving and Storage. We make moving fun. Call the friendly folks at Mesa. 406-285-7033. Dear driver, hurry in and save. Toyota, let's go places. 
All right, Daniel. Well, uh, let's start on the uh, the women's side of things after another two and zero weekend, and now a six game winning streak for Trisha Binford and the crew, uh, winning sixty four fifty two against Portland State, and then sixty one sixty against Sac State. And uh, kind of before we dive into this Portland State game, uh, have not allowed more than sixty five points in a game during this six game winning streak. A pretty darn impressive stretch right now, Daniel. Yeah, I think I mentioned this last week that uh, the foundation of this program that Coach Binford has built, and maybe this was more something I said during the game on Saturday. You know, everything kind of runs together in my head sometimes, but the foundation of this program is definitely defense. Coach Binford takes a lot of pride in her defensive principles and how her team plays on that end of the floor. And there's been some stretches here and there throughout the season where the, it's definitely been lacking a little bit just based on what the standard is. And lately, you know, the energy is just really there now and they continue to get more and more solid in what they do. And I think our coaching staff has also done a really nice job adjusting in game when certain things aren't working. So if they're switching everything and we're getting beat for whatever reason, okay, well, let's, let's, you know, tone that down a little bit. Let's just switch with the guards or just switch with the post. And then if the man's not going well, all right, let's, let's disrupt things a little bit, throw a little wrench in there and play a little zone. We did that on Saturday as well against Sacramento State. But I, I just think that, um, there's been a lot of work going into how we want to defend teams, both by the players and, and coaches. And it's just really starting to come together. It feels like. Yeah, no doubt. And so that has, uh, this group at 15 and seven, eight and two in conference. Uh, well, let's get into this, uh, Portland State game, a 64 52 win. And going to this game, uh, didn't sound like you were at the full stable of players. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely had a little bit of a bug going around. And, um, luckily it, it didn't spread too much, but definitely, uh, we had a couple people who had been out early in the week and made it back in time for the game and a couple people who, didn't make it back in time for the game and um, one in particular who didn't make it back for the second half of the game. So um, definitely, definitely spread a little bit. And um, that, that was worrisome. I personally was worried about myself getting it. Maybe that sounds selfish, but the last thing I want is to uh, start a tummy aching in the middle of a radio broadcast. So um, hard, hard pass there, but I, I oh, my fingers crossed right now, sitting here on Monday night, my fingers crossed, knock on wood, that that is passed with our team and um you know we'll see what the next couple of days bring as we get ready to hit the road but yeah it definitely was a bit scary going into the game shorthanded because the depth is something we take a lot of pride in it's something that coach Benford often boasts about on her interviews and when she's talking about the team that she feels very confident that you can go 10 11 deep sometimes even more than that with the team so when you drop a few bodies for a game things get a little more scarce yeah, definitely can appreciate your depth, which was the theme with the men, uh, too, which we'll talk about, uh, in a little bit. But, um, you know, only six players played more than 20 or seven players played more than 20 minutes, uh, in this game. But Cola Bad Bear was an absolute stud this weekend and starting with the Portland State game, uh, 17 points, seven of 13 from the field, six rebounds. I mean, this was just the start to an absolutely dominant stretch at home. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the Bobcats really struggled in the first half to find their rhythm offensively. You know, they're going against his own defense, and it just seemed like they they were taking some good shots, not great shots. They're a little bit rushed in, in my eyes, and they they didn't score a lot in the first half. And Cola was one for six in the first half, and it's like, wow, we're getting the ball inside to her, but just not quite going down yet. And I had talked to Chris Mays, our post coach after the game. And I was like, could you imagine the stat line she would have put up if she went even two for six or three for six in the first half instead of one for six. But she did really take this game over her and Darian both. I thought made some really big plays in crunch time. And it looked like through three quarters that it was kind of, kind of be a slow offensive night across the board, but then they turn around and rattle off 23 fourth quarter points. It's just the necessary plays down the stretch to really enlarge the gap. I think at the five under five media timeout, they were up. Uh, it, it had gotten back down to about five points and looked like Portland state had a chance to, to really close the gap after an and one, but again, just play after play, especially Cola. She just was making all the right cuts, getting all the right berries and couldn't miss from underneath the basket. So it, it was really a fun, fun fourth quarter. 
Yeah, well, and you can see some of the themes that have helped this team be successful this season uh, in that game against Portland State, right? Like when you do have that first half struggle, you know this is not a team that folds. Like we, they've they're battle tested. They've been in difficult environments. They've played some of the best teams uh, around the country. They're not going to panic when somebody has a bad 20 minutes or a bad 10 minutes and those things are going to happen. And it's even better when, when those things happen, you're still contributing on the defensive side. Cause that's not something every player does. There's a lot of players out there that will let the offensive side of their game affect their defensive side of the game. And even though shots weren't falling and I'm sure it was incredibly frustrating, they still yeah. only gave up eight points in that first quarter. And when you do that, it keeps you within uh, within shouting distance. It keeps you within striking distance. And when it does start clicking, like the 23-point fourth quarter, you're able to come out with a home conference win to end the first half of the Big Sky uh, schedule. Yeah, totally. And I, I just think the theme really over the last couple of weeks is that they keep getting all these different hurdles, but they find different ways to take care of business. They keep finding different ways to win. And I think it's just a sign of the growth they've had as a team because that wasn't necessarily there in some of the games early on in the season. Obviously, they went in a hole against Arizona State and were unable to climb out of that. There were games like North Texas and Abilene Christian where we're a few plays short down the stretch and ended up not getting those wins. Wyoming, another one that comes to mind. But it just seems like game by game, they continue to show their experience and their chemistry continues to grow. And it's just like... As soon as that fourth quarter hits, they're a different basketball team. And those are the types of teams that typically get it done once postseason time comes around. And, you know, they have. There's a lot of players who have got that done around mm-hmm. postseason time. Uh, looking back at the success last year, uh, 1,705 was the attendance in this game. I know Coach Benford kind of mentioned, uh, the crowd. We'll talk about that as well on Saturday, but you know, Y'all have been home a lot over the course of January. So, you know, a really nice stretch to be able to get settled in as the students are coming back and as people are kind of really being able to focus on basketball at this time. Tell me a little bit about the atmosphere at the Brick this weekend. Yeah, it was really pleasant and really good to see. Like you said, I mean, I I think the schedule our team has definitely has a lot of balance of home versus away. Like, you know, we were able to sneak that Monday night home game against Idaho. It had definitely been a while, though, since we had a home weekend. The last one we had had was that one early January against NAU and UNC. And this this weekend, it just seemed like, like you said, it was definitely a help. I think the biggest help of having students back is getting the band there, which, I mean, they really get after it during those free throws, especially in the second half when the other team's going right into that baseline set of bleachers where the band sits. They definitely played a role as well. But it's just nice to see that people are paying attention, seeing what, this team is starting to accomplish and taking note and showing up to the brick and showing the support they deserve. Cause obviously they work really hard and they're really good at basketball. So it's a <laughs> lot of fun to watch and it's a lot more fun when more people pile in and can kind of add that extra oomph to the atmosphere there. Yeah, no doubt. And so Montana State right now averaging almost 1600 per game. That's good for second in the big sky. Montana is first, but you got to remember that they obviously hosted Montana State already. So that big crowd is going to boost their number a little bit. And we'll kind of see where things are after the, uh, the Cat Grizz matchup in Bozeman, uh, coming up here in, uh, in mid February. But still, I mean, great, great showings uh, all throughout the season so far and definitely needed it. Yeah, especially on Saturday with it being the pack the place in pink game, you know, that always draws a little extra too. So I think that gave us a big boost and there weren't a ton of people on the side, um, like behind the scores table, behind the benches, but the side opposite the benches where, you know, a lot of the fans end up sitting was pretty darn full. And those people, you know, they, they've gotten, um, they've definitely grown the instinct the crowd has of, when being able to spot Coach Binford pumping up the crowd after a big play and, you know, or after a big bucket, once the defense is getting back and ready to get a stop, she'll kind of turn around and, hey, like, you know, do the normal arm motion when you're pumping up the crowd and they bring it and it's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, 2200 at that game on Saturday. This was a ball game. So, uh, from, from my perspective, you guys all tipped when we were going to shoot around because we played Saturday night, um, mm-hmm. against Sac State. So you guys tipped like kind of as we were getting to shoot around. And so I'm kind of, we're kind of keeping an eye on it, but the guys are practicing. I'm getting the gear set up. I'm kind of keeping an eye on it. And then we finally head out and we were able to catch the last like, 
Uh, last like two and a half minutes while driving back to the hotel, which was great. So, you know, Jed Miller had it up on his phone. The guys were getting after it when we got to the, the end of the game and the stops. But, uh, man, what a roller coaster ride this ball game was. They were knocking down shots early and you're able to battle back from a 17 point deficit to come back and win this game by one. Absolutely. I mean, it just, you know, I'm sitting there courtside and it's like, all right, well, we're down 19 to two. What's <laughs> going to happen next? And, if this were November, I'd probably say, all right, we're down 19 to two. Hopefully we can get a win next game, but <laughs> it's, it's not November anymore. It's the end of January. And like I said, this, this team has shown a lot of growth over this winning streak they're on right now and throughout the conference season. And they just kind of kept going about their business. You know, we talked about the defense and how big of a factor that's been. Well, Sacramento State scored 25 points in the first quarter, which is a lot. And <laughs> they, turned around and didn't break 15. I mean, the, the the final three quarters of this game. So that was how Montana state was able to kind of keep the game within reach. They were able to close the gap a little, not necessarily close the gap, but, you know, kind of get a little momentum going in the second quarter at one point before half, they got it down to eight, ended up down 13 and a half. But once the ball got rolled out for that third quarter, it was all Bobcats the rest of the way. I mean, the crowd really got behind them. They made some big plays, hit some huge shots to keep kind of chipping away at that deficit. And it was just a lot of fun to be a part of that. I mean, that was a massive game. That was a game for first place. I and mean, we'll get into the standings in a bit, but whoever wins that game is sitting in first place. And right now that's Montana State at eight and two, uh, in, in the big sky. And like you said, in that second half, uh, Montana State outscored it, Sac State 38 to, uh, uh, to 24. So just an absolutely dominant second half offensively. And well, once again, it, it was cold of bad bear, 17 points, seven of 11 from the field, six rebounds in this ball game. Uh, she played another 30 minutes. I mean, she's logging some minutes right now, uh, down in the post. And, uh, man, just what a, what a special weekend for cold bad bear and, and, uh, pushing this winning streak to six games and pushing this team into first place. Yeah, totally. You know, a lot of credit goes to Koa because she's a big time player and she wants nothing more than to be on the court in crunch time to help her team win basketball games. She's a great player, but an even better teammate. And I know it sounds super cliche, but that's just who Cola is. And it it's definitely huge for her confidence when she's making plays down the stretch. We saw it Thursday and I think she had her head up from Thursday's game going into Saturday. And that's why she didn't waver when the score got a little lopsided at the beginning of the game. Um, I thought Darian was huge for us in the second half on the defensive end as well. We made some adjustments to play a little zone defense in the fourth quarter. And I thought that uh, was good to have, you, know, you have Darian white and you have Caitlin Lamardo out at the head of that zone. And, Kalasia Dean, the point guard of Sac State, she obviously had a big game scoring 28 points, but in the second half, she was a little more contained. And when they were playing that zone, you know, she does a lot laterally. So when you have two guards who can kind of pass her off back and forth and, you know, you have that presence of the big behind you to kind of service some insurance, I think that helps a lot. And Cola Bad Bear, she had 17 points, but defensively she was outstanding in this game. You know, she's going against Izzy Nadabo, who's averaging 15 and 10. She finished the game with five points. Cola defensively was excellent. She just didn't. She just did her job, really, and she had a couple big possessions where she forced some jump balls when we had the arrow. She forced a three in the key after an O board because she just wouldn't give her player any room to breathe and also wouldn't foul her. So it, it was just really a, a fun effort. And the way they shared the ball down the stretch, just some really timely cuts. Um, Leah made some big-time passes. Darian made some big-time passes. And it just seemed like they got into a rhythm and nobody could take them down. And, you know, even so with that, you, you had to get this thing over the hump. After all the effort it takes to come back from a 17-point deficit, you've dominated the fourth quarter defensively into the final 30 seconds. Sac State gets uh, an opportunity at the cup. They can't make the bucket, but an offensive rebound, and they still couldn't get it to go on the second shot at the end of this ball game. So here it was once again, you know, at the end of a ball game, you've done all this work to erase the deficit. You know, you've scored almost 40 points in the second half. And what did it come down to? One more big defensive stop, and they were able to get it done at the end of the game. Yeah, it was definitely a uh, super intense last couple minutes as a whole. I mean, Cola hit a bucket to put us up two with about two, two and a half minutes to go. And Dean, their point guard, went to the free throw line with maybe a minute, minute and a half. And 
credit the band again. She missed her first free throw. And it's like, okay, here we go. She made the second and the score's at 61-60. We take the ball down, get called for a moving screen. It's like, oh man, there goes some momentum. But then we got another stop. Then we take the ball down again with, you know, 30, 40 seconds on the clock, try to go get a post up guard to guard for Leah. And she gets called for an offensive foul with her offhand trying to get position there at the block. It's like, no way we just turn the ball over again on an offensive foul. But again, crunch time. It's the stop at the end and playing that zone defense guarding, you know, Dean was working left to right and Darian and KJ were just kind of there. You know, you know, who's taking that shot when it gets to crunch time, you know, who's taking that shot. She even passed it off to an off ball guard with three seconds left and they passed it right back to her. Then she tried to get downhill, forced one up and it went long. And again, the defense down the stretch didn't waver. Just really, really good basketball being played in that fourth quarter by MSU and very impressive win. I mean, like you said, you got to get over the hump at some point. Sometimes it takes so much energy to, co- energy to come back, but you can't get that lead. Or if you get that lead, you can't hold it. But they came back. They got the lead. They held it. And it, it took you know every ounce of energy that they had just to get that one-point lead and keep it. But it's what winners do, and that's why they're in first place now. No doubt. And that's what's been so fun, I think, about following both of these teams is they're built on such of the so many of those those just, you know, those effort, those blue collar, those I don't care. It doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter if I make a mistake. It doesn't matter if my teammate makes a mistake. You know, this play is the next play. And this is a play that could help us win this ballgame. And to see this type of like to see this type of hunger, to see this type of maturity from both of these teams um, on display like this after winning championships, you know, it, it's, it's as if going to an NCAA tournament made you hungry for more. And that's what we're seeing. The care, the the wherewithal, it, kids are going to be, you know, uh, up and down. You know, when you're a college athlete, when you're a student athlete, like it is hard. You're handling so, so much on a daily basis and you're just trying to figure it out as you're getting into your, you know, into adulthood and, and what it means to, to be a student athlete and work hard. And it's going to be a roller coaster. Like it's going to be hard, but something that can always stay consistent is your effort. You can always stay yeah. consistent in how much you care. And when you do that on a nightly basis, then it just kind of wipes everything away and you eventually find yourself in and out in a chance and in a situation where you have an opportunity to win a ball game if you make one more play. And we got to see that twice, uh, in this, uh, in this weekend and the 2-0 weekend. Totally. And it's a, you know, it's a really long season. And I think that can wear on the players from time to time mentally. And, uh, you know, of course it does. You know, basketball runs right through the holidays. You only get a couple days for Christmas. You, most teams don't get a Thanksgiving break. They're on the road playing somewhere. And, you know, it, it's hard, you know, because a lot can change over the course of the season within a team. And you look at this team and they've had some tweaks to the starting lineup here and there, but these girls are doing a really good job embracing their role. And I think it's important to look at what Leah Beatty and Taylor Jansen did off the bench in this game. Both of them hitting huge shots in the second half, both playing over 25 minutes. And, you know, it just it doesn't really matter who's getting the credit right now. They're just they want to win. They share the ball great and they are taking great shots and playing great defense. And it's really just a good recipe for success. Right. And, you know, that also comes down to a player having a confidence in a coaching staff, because when you get asked to come off the bench, when you're used to starting, when you have been the best player at your high school, AAU, junior college, wherever you were before you got to Bozeman, and now you're not, and you have to sacrifice portions of your game, or you're not doing everything. You're not being asked to do everything. You know, you can do, but this is what, you know, can help the team. And knowing that if you make a mistake, yeah, you may come off the floor, but if you make a great play, you're going to be kept on the floor and that that effort and that quality play and your your performance on the floor is going to be rewarded with playing time by the coaching staff. And that's, again, a testament to having a staff that can communicate, that can speak to these, you know, to these players and and tell them what the expectations are, what they need, follow through on that. And, you know, when you play well, you're going to get on the floor. And if you play well on this floor, you're probably going to win. Yeah, we've seen a lot of different closing lineups too. I mean, that that's obviously super important to for have a sure. feel for who's helping you win that game in that moment particular. And it could be different every single game. Like when we were at the Grizz, they started bringing pressure on. Okay, well, Darian and Grace both need to be on the floor. We need those ball handlers. They're both scoring. They're both playing great. And Saturday, it was Leah and Taylor off the bench who needed to be in that game in crunch time. 
Taylor did a really nice job defending Sac State's four out on the perimeter. And Leah just got into one of those modes where, I mean, she finished the game with nine points. It's not like the game where she had 26, but she had one shot where uh, there was, you know, 16 seconds left on the shot clock when she ended up shooting, but she's standing there dribbling. You know, she'd got a handoff out on the wing and kind of was waiting for the next part of the play. And that was a ball screen. Well, Lexi was trapped down low trying to get up and set the ball screen, but she's going against six, five and couldn't quite get around. So Leah just kind of looked up and she's, you know, four or five feet behind the three point line and just, just pulled the totally deep three and just buried it. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, it looks like Leah's got her head up now. I think we're going to be all right. (laughs) She's got that kind of power. Yeah. That's uh, that stuff is fun, man. It's just so much fun. Uh, to watch that. So with that win, Montana State moves into first place. They are now eight and two in the big sky, 15 and seven overall. They won their last six. Uh, Sac State and Northern Arizona are six and three. Northern Arizona is up next on the clock. Eastern Washington and Montana are six and four. Portland State is four and five. Idaho four and six. Northern Colorado three and six. Idaho State three and six. And Weber State right now at one and eight to uh, round out the Big Sky, uh, Big Sky standings is we've now seen every team, uh, around the conference. So, uh, always kind of a nice moment, at least from my perspective, where, okay, now I've laid eyes on everybody in the conference. I feel like I have a way better handle of just kind of the, the hierarchy of the league this season. Yeah. It's definitely nice to get a look, and especially for you and I being in our first year where it's not like we saw all these teams last year. You know, we, you, you hear from word of mouth from the coaches of, you know, who's, who's good and who's returning from some of these teams. You read about them on the preseason, all conference teams and stuff like that. And you can look at box scores, but being able to see how all those players and teams look against the team you cover gives you such a good perspective. I feel like just seeing that one time through. And I'm really excited for this second time around because I think it's, it's just going to give us a really good understanding and a really good rhythm. Um, when we're on the air too, it, it just makes it a lot much, a lot more fun for us. I'd say. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, this is, uh, this is where the rubber meets the road. There's no more secrets around the league now. Uh, and for Montana State, you know, their, their last loss, their six game winning streak, their last loss came at home on a Saturday on January 7th, uh, losing 85 to 80 against Northern Arizona. That's the last time they've given up more than 65 points, uh, in a game and they are off to Flagstaff this weekend. So Thursday, six o'clock tip. Sally have the call at, at 545 and then Saturday at uh, Northern Colorado, two o'clock tip, 145, uh, on the air. But here we go, man. Uh, revenge tour starts now uh, against Northern Arizona. Already got some revenge against Idaho, but, uh, Northern Arizona is, is sitting just a game and a half back of first place and they're at home. So they're going to be coming in with a lot of confidence and this is going to be a, a make or break game for them as well. Totally. And Northern Arizona is a really good team. And, you know, they got taken to the wire on Saturday by Northern Colorado. So they, they're definitely, um, they're definitely beatable. And obviously we saw that when they played here too, it was a tight finish and they came out on top. They, they got those 50, 50 balls. They made the plays necessary down the stretch. And you know, I, I've made a point over the last few weeks that this Bobcat team keeps getting these different hurdles thrown in front of them and they keep clearing them. And it's, you know, one of you, you talk about playing at Dahlberg, tough place to win Idaho state. That game was a barn burner. You know, you blow a little bit of a lead there, but you get over the hump. Portland State, you have the slow start. You get over the hump. Sac State, you have an even slower start. You're down by 17 points in the first quarter. Get over the hump. Well, there's going to be a few hurdles here this week, and one one of those is being on the road. Long travel day to get to Flagstaff. Not an easy place to get to. Then you got the elevation factor as well. So, you know, there, there's all these reasons why they shouldn't win this game, but I don't think that's going to matter to them. I think – they know what happened in January, and I just think they're in a good place right now as a team. I think they all have their heads up. I think they continue to build belief in each other and in themselves with the way they keep winning these basketball games. And I'm excited to see how they respond to this test. I mean, this is probably the biggest test of the year so far, going to Flagstaff to play this NAU team on the road. And I'm really excited to see how they respond. No doubt. So uh, only four more road Big Sky games for the women. Uh, Arizona, Northern Arizona, Northern Colorado, and then the Sac State, Portland State trip. And that's it. But, you know, (laughs) both of those trips include somebody who's right on your heels uh, sitting tied for second place. So, yeah, not easy. lot left to go. And, of course, the Cat Grizz game is on February 18th. So, yeah, man, this is going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. And, uh, yeah, here we go. This is is why you work so hard to make February a true fight and, and put some championships on the line. 
Exactly. It's just, you know, it's one game at a time for sure. Um, that's definitely the approach that our coaching staff has been taking with the team as well. You know, it, it's easy going into the season when you're picked number one and coming off a conference tournament to say, all right, we want to, we want to win the conference again. We want to win the conference tournament again. And, you know, through the year, as things kind of continue on, the message has definitely become more of one game at a time. All right, let's take care of Thursday. Now let's take care of Saturday. Now let's take care of next Thursday. It's it's just become that process, just kind of brick by brick, no pun intended. And um, this this Thursday brings another challenge, and Saturday will come after, and we'll, we'll see how things look next week. Man, looking forward to it. All right, before we uh, change our attention, any uh, any final thoughts on the men or on the women, rather? Uh, the uh, nothing other than that game on Saturday was awesome. It, it was fun to get one in crunch time, and especially with the way it ended with the stop. I mean, I just very uh, emotionally draining, but a lot of fun now coming out on top. So that I, I really enjoyed that. Love it. Great. Well, uh, let's turn our attention over to the men now, and uh, another two and zero weekend on this side of things for uh, for Montana State. Uh, things started in Portland this week, a seventy five sixty six win, and. Uh, Man, this was a game. So <laughs> now Portland State is an interesting uh, atmosphere because they have a newer gym and it's really nice. It doesn't seat a ton. It seats about 4,000. So really a great size. Uh, but they don't average a ton. They had about uh, 1,300 at this game, but about 50 or so of those were uh, Montana State tickets that were out. So there were a lot of alumni in town. Um, you know, Robert Ford is from Portland. Uh, Tyler Patterson is from kind of east of Seattle. Uh, Raekwon Battle has a lot of people uh, out in that area as well. And, you know, Sprinkle again brought a lot of the, uh, the alumni out. So, you know, nice Bobcat crowd uh, at this ball game. And this was a game where we really saw some depth show off for Montana State because Jabril Bello didn't play in the, uh, in the second half. And Darius Brown was in foul trouble in this ball game. And, uh, it was Raekwon battle hitting shots late with 19 points and Caleb Fuller, man. Here's a guy who is playing his final year here, four years at UC Davis before coming over to the big sky and being a part of the Bobcats. And, uh, this was his best game in, in the Bobcat blue and gold. UC Davis wears blue and gold too, but uh, he had 18 points in this game. He did have a 30 point game at, at UC Davis against CSUN, uh, two years ago, but still. Either way, this was such a fun game to watch play. And uh, even with some of those injuries and the foul trouble, you know, like we talked about on the women's side, Daniel, that depth is so, so key as you really get into the grind and right into the middle of this Big Sky Conference. I'll tell you what really blew me away is, you know, I was able to catch the last few minutes because on Thursday, you know, the, being on West Coast time for you guys, right, the game didn't start till eight. So, so I got to catch the you know, last 10, 12 minutes or so. Caleb Fuller and Raekwon Battle both logging 37 minutes after a travel day, nonetheless, is, I mean, that's some big time stuff from two very dependable players on this Bobcat team. So that was super impressive. And for them to be the guys after playing that many minutes, hitting shots in crunch time, I just think this was a great win for them. You know, they just kind of kept fending off Portland State. You know, they were kind of right there close at the end and they just, kept fending them off and kept making the necessary plays to win a basketball game. And again, on the road, not easy to do in a conference game. And Portland State's one of the more uh, high-octane offenses in the big sky. Uh, they were held to 66 points in this game. That was almost 10 points fewer than their their per-game average coming into this contest. So, you know, 75 points is great and very impressive, and there was a lot of great offense. But once again, it came down to the end of the game where you needed some defensive stops. And Cameron Parker is an incredible player, their point guard at, at yes, Portland State. 23 points in this ball game, But, you know, at the end of the game, Montana State did so much to take away so many of the different weapons that it was really just Parker trying to find a way to get to the free throw line, just trying to bowl downhill. This is a young man who made 13 free throws in his previous game, and he went four for five in this game. So the Cats only put him at the line five times. And he does a great job kind of getting into you as soon as he feels the contact, really jumps and initiates a lot of the contact and, and gets the calls. And he's shot more free throws than almost anybody in the big sky. But Montana State did a nice job kind of defending without fouling, even though there, I'm sure, were a few calls they didn't totally love. But, you know, that's the game of basketball. And, you know, yep. even though they scored seven, 75 points. Uh, again, the, the stops at the end of this game, kind of in that atmosphere, Portland State was playing hard. Like they, they wanted that game. There was no rollover from them at all. And, and the cats, uh, the cats were able to get it done at the end again. I think the way you described Cameron Parker was spot on. I mean, just based on the sample size I saw from him in real time there, 
it's like this guy, you know, you see him dribbling up the floor and then all of a sudden, boom, he's right in the paint at the rim doing so, you know, he's backing guy. He gets contact with the guard and kind of backs him down into the paint and can spin off that and still get some explosion up towards the rim. Like you said, he gets a lot of calls as well. And he's very impressive. So to be able to kind of limit those around him and put it in his hands when you already have a lead, I like that game plan a lot. And I just thought, again, in crunch time, the way they guarded, the way they scored, it's just winning play after winning play. And uh, that's like we talked about with the women's team too. You know, they, they're hungry after what they were able to accomplish. Those, especially the returners, hungry after after what they accomplished last season. And the new guys who came in, they came in to be a part of that. And now they are. A lot of new faces contributing, playing big minutes. And I just think it's all coming together. You know, it's interesting when you think about how this season started with Montana State uh, giving up that that big lead in the loss at Grand Canyon, which would have been a really big win for their overall Massive. resume. Oh, yeah. And, Massive. you know, that's how the season started. And now to be a team where we see them when they get the lead, it, they don't give it up too often. And and that was a theme. That- Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate, not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California, subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors, which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates Northbrook, Illinois. The Sac State game, which we'll get to, but, you know, when they get the lead, they just, they don't give that lead back very often anymore. And, you know, that's what mature, deep, accountable, and skilled teams can do. And a thing we talked about a lot last week uh, was the three ball. And like you said, they don't need to come out and make 10, 12 threes. They just need to you know, get five or six. And in this game, they knocked down six of them and it was plenty. And it keeps the defense honest and it, it, it keeps allowing those lanes to get to the rim and do what you want to do. And I, I just think, again, just a really solid performance across the board in this game is kind of what I gathered from what I saw. Yeah, and the threes were huge. Uh, I mean, one of the one of the threes that Raekwon hit at the end of the game was, you know, kind of the dagger. It was it was pretty close yeah, yeah. to the dagger. There's still they still needed some more minutes, and Fuller hit another big shot. But that was like the one that that had kind of really grabbed a stranglehold on this game. And Battle was great from downtown. We talked right. about his ability to shoot, and he has continued to shoot. He hasn't forced it, and really, even through all the three point struggles that we have seen from this team to this point, they still haven't been forcing it because sometimes. Yeah, shooters need to shoot, but you got to still shoot your shot. And that's really hard to do when you're not playing up to the level that you expect of yourself. And for Raekwon Battle, he went four for six from downtown, including that big shot at the end of the game. It was the first time in the 2023 calendar year. So, you know, the, it was the first or second game of Big Sky play at the end of December. That uh, first time he has hit multiple threes in a game. And he's obviously a tremendous shooter and can do that. And it was great to see him do that uh, in this game. And he was, along with uh, Darius Brown and, and Caleb Fuller, part of what was the the game winning sequence it was a, an inbounds pass from brown to battle and uh, and battle was able to dunk that thing right off the inbounds pass uh danny sprinkle actually told a great story about that play on uh, on the bobcat insider tv show which airs on tuesday nights at uh, nine o'clock on the cw uh he talked about how robert ford had uh had been a part of that play call and what they saw so he goes into more detail on that so be sure to tune in and, and hear sprinkle's perspective uh, on that but it was the the inbounds pass dunk then battle in the very next play got a stop against Cameron Parker and one-on-one defense down to the block, came back, drilled the three, Portland State calls a timeout, and then moments later, Caleb Fuller hits his final field goal of the game, his seventh field goal in this win, where he was able to get some penetration deep into the mid-post, stop, turn, hit just an absolutely disgusting disgusting fadeaway shot and, and that was that was the one that really finally kind of finished off uh, uh this game and they took care of business and most importantly they hit their free throws down the stretch uh, in this ball game and uh, and Montana State gets the win they go for uh, 11 for 15 from the free throw line in the second half and overall shot 74%. So, you know, hit some big shots when you need them, get some big stops and and, and knock down some free throws at the end of the game and all you know Montana State is rolling too. Yeah, we had that game on in, in the brick afterwards. I was watching it in the equipment room with uh, Dave, the equipment manager, and Dave. 
we, we were, yeah, he's, he's the man. And we were watching and we're just like, come on, guys, come on. You know, they have the comfortable lead, but it's like, pull it out. And then they're showing a replay of the ball going out of bounds and who did it touch last. And then they cut out of it and Raekwon's like up there, two hands on the rim. And it's like, well, did we just miss an alley-oop or what? But then finally, a couple minutes later, they showed the replay. And it's like, oh, just a really nice cut, really nice find, great play design. I'm looking forward to hearing uh, Sprinkle's account of that. And just, again, necessary plays down the stretch. And for Caleb to come out, play 37 minutes, go 7 for 11 from the field as well. And that fadeaway at the end, like you said, it was fantastic. And winning play after winning play. And here they are just taking care of business on the road again. The, the the journey of this team is what I have enjoyed most, I think, watching the improvements and watching how much they stick together in games like these. No doubt. And uh, so Jabril Bell goes out in this game. So he kind of went after a loose ball, didn't grab it, sprinkles all frustrated. Why didn't you grab the ball? <laughs> no. And, and Jabril didn't know. And, and, he, uh, you know, kind of walks around a little bit and then ends up, uh, they call a timeout. He goes back to the bench and he's kind of holding it and he pulls his hand off and there's just, I mean, it's bleeding pretty profusely. And he ended up needing get a, to get about four or five stitches, uh, in between his pinky and ring finger on his left hand. Um, so he didn't get the opportunity to play in the second half. And here we've talked about this game so much already. And we didn't even talk about great Osibor, who had his first D1 double double. He had one against Northwest Indian College, but this is his first one against a D1 opponent, 17 points, 10 rebounds, six of 11 from the field uh you know we talked about him making sure he can stay on the floor he got four personal fouls but he uh he did stay on the floor in this ball game in crunch time when they needed it and, and he was there and and part of the reason he was able to be on that floor was because he didn't pick up any fouls in the first half so another great example of what this team can do when great osabor is on the floor for his full complement of minutes put up 23 minutes in this game played hard played with great effort and uh, he had one terrific play in this game too where you know he made, made a nice spin move to kind of get off his man and you know he was talking about this uh, after the game but he uh, he wanted to go slam it but he just wasn't quite in the right spot and instead just used this most gentle little finger roll to just kiss it off the window and it was just one of those plays where you saw the power then the finesse and then the ability to go for power, but then kind of thinking about it and just was able to gently glide that thing in. And that's the the type of maturity that we see continuing to grow from Osibor. When do you deploy your 100% most athletic, outlandish, amazing, jaw-dropping play versus when do you do something that maybe is a little bit more understated, but is a little more sure-handed and still beautiful in its own right, but kind of in a different way that may not be going viral on social media, but it, you know, hoopers know that that's a play and that's something that there's not a lot of dudes around the country can do. Yeah, and it's two points, and those points are helping him win the game. But the thing that stands out to me when Great is having games like this, when he's at his best, is like you just said, he's really, it seems like he's really in control. He's just got a really good idea of how he can carry himself down in the paint and what it takes to score on any given possession. Like he's just got a really good feel for what he needs to do with the ball when he's at his best. And again, perfect example on Thursday night. He, he just really stepped up and, the team needed him. I mean, when, when a player like Jabril goes out and you're getting asked to play those kind of minutes, he, he just really produced and tip of the cap to that guy because he was fantastic. Uh, I also want to shout out uh, a member of cat country. I didn't get his name, but uh, he was sitting in the first row behind us. And during a commercial break, he was like, Hey, Jabril cut his hand. He's getting stitches. I was like, what? He's like, Jabril, he cut his hand. I could see it. My brother is listening. And he said, you didn't know what the injury was. Cause I didn't, I just saw that it was a hand injury. And then I noted that he wasn't there to start the second half. That was all I could see. And that's the way it goes. So he let me know that. And of course, and he was right. And so I was able to relay that information. And then, you know, Danny Sprinkle confirmed it in the post game show. So just want to shout him out. I didn't get his name, but I do want to shout out the member of cat country that, uh, that was able to help be kind of our sideline reporter there. So everybody's contributing to the broadcast. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's harder than you would think it is to kind of pick up what's going on in a situation like that. Like, yeah, you're shitting right there, but also you got the headphones on and you hear yourself the whole game. And then you hear all the commercials during the commercial break and you, you got to pay attention to so many different things when you're broadcasting a game on the radio that sometimes it's hard to pick up exactly what happened. And obviously you never really want to speculate too hard unless you really Really have an idea. So to have someone right there, just kind of give you a little inside tip that's big time no doubt and that's you know that's what's so great about working with like brian preby because you know 
two, four eyes is better than two. And, and obviously he's got a great basketball mind as well. So, you know, that's where, that's where, you know, there is definitely an advantage when you can get somebody on the air with an analyst. And, you know, maybe people don't totally understand that. But when you have somebody else who is not focused on the ball, because even when I watch basketball, when I'm not calling a game, I can watch so much more because when I'm calling a game, I'm very focused on where the ball is, who has it, and trying to hold kind of in my head the context of the possession and, and the moment. So it's very, very hard to see the action away from the ball. Um, and it's very, very hard to see kind of some of the plays that you just like the nuance of the plays and you can kind of see it, but there's still, there's just a lot you miss in that regard because you are so focused on being accurate of, you know, player ID, what they're doing with the ball and where on the court they're doing it. And uh, and so that's why it's so nice to have somebody on the on the air with you. Yeah, I think that's why I really like radio is, you know, it kind of poses this extra challenge of your audience not having a screen. So right. you have to be that much more specific. And again, I'd say having a color analyst, what it does is it really widens the lens of the broadcast, which sure. is or. Yeah, I think that just enhances the listening experience, especially when it's someone like Preby. I mean, that guy, he's excellent. Yeah. And I mean, I think you're spot on. It's hard to pick up everything. And even, I mean, just going back and watching games, it's like, wow, that really was a nice play design. And, you know, all I saw was the end of someone cutting to the hoop and getting the pass and laying it in. But there was a lot that happened to make that thing go and to be able to, you know, kind of have that help. And again, when it's an injury situation to have someone in the crowd give you a little tip, I mean, just very helpful. You take all the help you can get. I love it. I love it. All of cat country is a part of the broadcast. Um, and you know, and I'll, I'll give you, I'll leave, uh, I'll leave listeners with one more kind of shorthand thought on the difference between radio and TV. And you know, I don't want to dive too much into the broadcast mechanics, although we do sometimes on this podcast and I'm sure we will later in the year, but the, oh. the kind of cliff notes version of radio versus TV is that, you know, radio, you are the radio play by play broadcaster is the lead of the show because it doesn't happen until you say it. And so the description, the chron- uh, being chronologically correct and how things go about and, and how you say things, that's what it's about. When it comes to TV, it's a little more like adding captions to the pictures because people can already say, see what is happening. I don't need to tell you that, you know, this player is dribbling with the ball, although you kind of do because you want to be able to have people be able to identify the player. But really what you're doing is putting captions to the pictures so that you can bring in the extra context so that you have more of an idea of what is going on and to really make sure you set up your analyst because uh, they're the person that's going to have way more space to be able to dive into some of the nuances and the X's and O's uh, while you're on a television broadcast because, you know, you don't need to be giving all of the detail of here's an inbounds pass and he's dribbling through the backcourt. You don't need to say that as much on TV. And so that's kind of part of the, uh, the, the change and the differences between radio and TV, which can make it so much fun. Yeah. It's captioning the picture versus painting the picture. Exactly. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Perfectly said you should work in words. (laughs) Appreciate that. (laughs) Plan on it. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's, uh, let's get into the ball game then on, uh, on Saturday. So we tipped at eight, uh, and, and, uh, we went to this, you know, the nest at Sac State. It you know, much more of a D two gym than a D one gym. Um, you know, they went D one in what early nineties or something like that. But um, you know, seats a thousand, and uh, it was loud. Uh, there was eight seventy five listed there. Good crowd of Bobcat fans again. Raekwon Battle had a bunch of family and friends there, uh, uh, too. And um, yeah, it was loud. It's just such a small gym that it really echoes. So it was a really good atmosphere. And people are gonna look at these attendance numbers and like laugh at me, like, what are you talking about? Why was that a great atmosphere? I'm telling you it was a great atmosphere. It was loud. Both teams were playing hard. The the fans were into it. It's a small student section, but there's a section of students and and people were into the ball game. It was back and forth and it was tight the whole way. And and uh the atmosphere was great. I mean, that's that's why you that's why you go to college basketball games. Yeah, Colin said the same thing when he got home and also Coach Sprinkle even tweeted about it and tagged Sac State and tagged the Hornets Nest or whatever and gave them a shout out because sometimes the loudest crowds you're going to get aren't the biggest crowds. It's just, it just works where, you know, you got a low ceiling and a smaller gym and you fill enough butts in those seats that that noise is going to add up and it's going to stay packed in there and it's going to make it a hostile environment to play in. And, you know, tip of the cap to them because you know it, it just you don't know what kind of crowd you're going to get I feel like sometimes going around the big sky I know for me I'm kind of flipping a coin with what we're going to see on a week to week basis but for them to show out for that game you know it's a night game Saturday night great way to spend the evening and again 
good crowd and big time noise coming from the hornet's nest no doubt and a shout out to colin so he's the dobo for people who don't know he's yes. the one who coordinates our travel um colin and dave probably uh 1a 1b in terms of hair game uh, around the, the basketball programs at least on the men's side yeah, I'd agree with that. I know it's definitely not me with the way I'm balding, but those those two guys, they they can grow it out and they got the serious flow going. Oh, you're good, man. You got you got plenty of chia seeds up there. You're good. We're we're getting there. You know, we're we're getting there <laughs> one day at a time, but I'm I'm going to hold on to the to the hairdo as long as I can. Good. Uh so Montana State wins this game 72-65. Now, this game was incredibly tight as well. This was a game against uh the other great defensive team in this conference. Montana State came in allowing 62 points a game in conference play. Sac State was allowing 63, and they were coming off a ball game against Montana on Thursday where they allowed 48 points against the Grizzlies, and they allowed the Grizzlies to score, I think it was six points in the final 13 and a half minutes. So they are coming off a dominant defensive performance, and they came out hot. I mean, they scored the first six points in this ball game, but Montana State didn't panic. They didn't let Idaho repeat itself because remember they started Idaho on a uh the negative side of a 12-0 run and they came back. They took an early lead and once the the Sac State's was last lead in this game was five minutes into the game after they had the 6-0 run to start it. Cats came back, got a lead around the 15 minute mark, and they never once again relinquished it in this ball game. And to play this game in that environment against this team, which is much improved compared to last year, they've already eclipsed their win total from a year ago. They are so much better than what they were last year when they won six big sky games. And Montana State held on to that lead through the ups, through the downs against this defense and everything, and even through foul trouble and the injuries and everything. They held that lead down to the end, and that is uh, something to be commended because it's really hard to do. Yeah, I think this game was, again, kind of a similar arc to the women's game here in Bozeman where you know one team has a big lead, then all of a sudden you look up in the second half and it's neck and neck down the stretch. And it, it just shows you the importance of every bucket, no matter what the scoring margin is at any given moment in the game. You just... Every bucket, every point is so important in these tight league games. And I think you said it best, the Sac State team, very improved and just, I again, really solid, it seems like. Yeah, they just I, I was able to watch this game with it being a night game, watching the whole thing. And it just seemed like they they really got a good feel for each other. They got a balanced team, and I was very impressed by them. But, again, Montana State having that big first half and having that big lead in the first half set them up for some good success and was able to keep their heads up down the stretch and make those winning plays once again. There was one lead change in this game. So Sac State had that start. Montana State took the lead. Now they built a 17-point lead, and Sac State got this thing down to one possession multiple times, but they never gave up that advantage down the stretch. And this has been kind of Sac State's MO. They came into this game plus seven in scoring in the second half, and twice this year they had erased 20-point deficits to come back to either tie or take the lead. Now they lost both of those games, but they still came back and either tied or took the lead after trailing by 20, including... Uh, the game against uh, Eastern Washington on the road where Steel Venters, of course, hit one of his game-winning shots earlier in the year. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> Least surprising news in the big sky. Um, So, you know, you kind of knew going into that second half. But here we go. Montana State again. Uh, Good from the three-point line. They go four of eight from the three-point line. They attempted two threes in the second half. Now, a lot of this game was played in the post. Sacramento State is massive. They got two guys around seven feet building up a, a big wall in the front court. But, I mean, that's pretty wild to win a ball game and to score 72 points against the great defense with two three-point three attempts in the second half and going overall four of eight from downtown. That's wild. Absolutely. And the inside presence, again, big for Montana State in this basketball game. And that's, again, another common theme throughout this season, especially with Jabril and Great, what they get from those two guys. It's it's pretty steady, pretty consistent. But you don't need to make 10 threes, but you can just make a few to kind of keep the offense rolling. And you look up, they got 72 points. That's a solid ball game, solid outing offensively, especially with the way this MSU team plays defense. No doubt. And, you know, uh, it, it's kind of interesting, right? Because obviously the, the trend, what the NBA does, what a lot of teams around the, the country do is put up a lot of threes because that's what 
the numbers say. That's what the the Saber metrics of basketball uh, say to do. But, you know, Montana State, four of eight from three in this game, and Sac State went four of nine. So it was just, it was a, a front court bruising battle. Sac State had 40 points in the paint. Montana State had 30. A lot of their points that were at the free throw line, which we'll talk about in a second. But, I mean, that's pretty wild. Like, this was a ball game that is not the type of basketball game you see when you walk into your average gym at any level at this moment in in, in basketball history. Yeah, I'm with you. And we, we had the similar conversation talking about the game in Missoula last weekend where played in the half court, really good defensive basketball teams going toe to toe. Not a lot of opportunities to run in transition because both teams so good at stopping the ball and kind of slowing things down and making you run your offense until you get either a bucket or a miss or get to the free throw line. And again, plays in the, in the hands of Montana state pretty well, because that is something that this basketball team is very, very good at. And, you know, again, like you said, Three pointers, very popular. And I, I get it. But if you don't have a team that's designed to shoot 25 threes in a game, then don't do it. Just play to your strengths. And I think this coaching staff does a really good job of having this team play to their strengths. That leads to wins. And these are players who are not, you know, forcing up these shots, like I kind of mentioned earlier. And again, there are guys that can knock down threes. If you told me MSU started hitting, you know, eight threes a game, nine threes a game for the final month of the year, like I wouldn't be entirely shocked by something like that. Me neither. No, so I'm with you on that. It, it'll come and to show how many times and different ways they can win and against all these different styles of play across the big sky, which is really good. By the way, this whole conference is really impressive. There are different styles of play. Every every team has a guy, right? Like, because sometimes you go through a season and there's going to be a team or two and they just don't really have a guy or, you know, or, or that lead player on either the men's or women's side. You know, just they don't really have that one player that can kind of just carry them or maybe that one player is injured uh, for an extended period of time. Every single team in this conference has a player, has a guy that can dominate a game if you don't you know, know your role and know your personnel. And that's what I think has been interesting. In addition to just how different so many of these teams play from even just Portland State's high octane offense, really guard oriented point guard that does kind of everything versus Sacramento State having two guys around seven feet in the front court, pack the paint, pound the glass and, and really just dominate the, the offensive glass of the best offensive rebounding team, uh, in, in the big sky, one of the better ones around the, the country. And Montana State was right there with them. Cats had nine offensive rebounds. Sac State had ten. So uh, that was that was impressive and definitely something that has stood out over the course of the uh, the first first half of the Big Sky season. Yeah, I think you look up and down the league, and there's teams like Montana, teams like Idaho, where it's like, yeah, their record's not looking great, but they're you know, you you've seen them with your two eyes. You know you know what kind of basketball they can play. I mean, just look at how Idaho played in that game against Montana State in Moscow. I mean. They were good. Those are good basketball teams, and sometimes you just come up short a few times, and all of a sudden you have this rough-looking record, but it's like, well, we're playing in the big sky, and it's going to make for a really interesting conference tournament, I think. I mean, the second half as well, just seeing how some of these teams meet a second time, but also once you get into the conference tournament and it's just one game elimination and you know you just got to go out there and take get care of business for 40 minutes, no, no win in that tournament is going to be guaranteed. No, and that's why it's so important to stay in the top two. And so, you know, Eastern Washington uh did win both games last weekend, so they remain undefeated two games ahead of Montana State sitting in first place. But it's those top two seeds that will play in the second round, uh, but against one of the bottom four seeds who had played the day before. And then if you're one of the top two seeds, you get an off day the following day while seeds four through six will play that next day in what is the quarterfinals. And then they would go on to play, uh, one of the, the teams that came out of that, that second round. So, you know, you can play two teams, uh, in those first two games to get to the semifinals against a team that played the day before when you did not. And when the conference is as dominant and close and deep as it is this year, you know, that, that can very easily be the difference. Yeah. We discussed, uh, towards the beginning of the season as well, you know, how tournament bids work and winning the regular season conference title versus winning the conference tournament. And I think that the big sky has done a really good job of designing this bracket to, you know, still have a high stakes tournament and really reward the regular season top two finishers. And I think that's important to have that advantage because it's really hard to get the regular season conference schedule with that good of a record and to pull it out in that many conference games. So I, I do really like the makeup of that bracket. 
So we've been talking about this Sac State game for however long we've been talking about it, and we haven't talked about Raekwon Battle yet, a career-high 32 <laughs> points in 33 minutes. He was the guy down the stretch. He goes 12 of 12 from the free throw line, uh, and and he had this incredible kind of layup where he drove in from like the left elbow or wing, got down to the restricted area, still kind of on the left side, but like stepped out of the restricted area, and uh, their big man, Callum McRae, the 7-1-er, or 7-1 dude uh he he jumped in the air so raekwon starts to jump and mccallum commits or mcray rather callum mcray he commits to get in the air while ray is in the air he adjusts his body to reach around because he's basically levitating instead of jumping he reaches around the big man and uses the finger roll with the right hand to finish on the right side so he jumped at the same time as the big man and got him to commit but it was in the air where he made the physical adjustment to reach around and a long field goal drought in that moment right in the middle of knocking down a bunch of big free throws and that was one of those plays that Maybe you didn't totally appreciate in the moment. I think you did kind of live. Hard to see on video until you saw like more of a replay to it. But just um, holy cow, that was so beautiful to be able to do. And in such a big moment. Yeah, that that was really special, I thought, as was this whole performance from Raekwon. And, you know, the hang time he had on that layup was wildly impressive. And, you know, I I think there's just something to say about how Raekwon's been playing and the level of confidence he has. And I really think that rubs off on the rest of the team. But you mentioned it a little bit last week, too, talking about those free throws at the end of the game against U of M. And for him to just kind of be slowly but surely become that guy for them at the end of these games. And he's just got so much confidence now. And you sit there and watch and it's like you start to really believe in a player like that. And for him to go 12 for 12 at the free throw line, too. That's very impressive on the road in a loud gym to knock down all 12 of your free throws is just very, very, very good basketball being played by him down the stretch of these games. No doubt. So awesome. So 32 points from him. Great. Osibor also had 13 points in this game. Uh, Bello uh, only played 18 minutes, six points, but he had four fouls. It was really, it appeared to be more of the foul trouble than the hand issue that kind of kept him off the floor. And Bello and Osibor at the end of this game were playing together with four personal fouls each. So some serious confidence by Danny Sprinkle to put those two guys in uh, with that type of foul trouble. Yeah, and Jabril with with the taped up hand yeah. still goes out there and puts up a big time defensive performance to you know getting three steals, two blocks, very impressive. Well, if uh, if Montana State wins a, a second Big Sky Championship, or if they uh, find a way to win a game in the NCAA tournament, uh, this weekend is the kind of kind of bullet point. In the, in the book, you write about Jabril Bell and what his legacy is here and what he's meant to the, the long-term uh, health of this program at Montana State. Yeah, we had a really good opportunity last week after the Cat Grizz game to talk about the dependability of a player like that. Yeah. And for him to get stitches put in his hand and two days later just play some really good basketball in a high-level conference game, it just speaks to how hard that guy works and how dependable he is. And don't forget, he tried to lobby to get into that game at the end of the second half against Portland State when we were up 10 with like two minutes to go. Yeah, hard to keep hard to keep a guy like that out, but I, I think <laughs> probably a fair decision, but good for him going to bat for himself. Yeah. So uh so now we talked about how good uh Sac State, we're gonna wrap things up here, but we talked about how good Sac State is. They had a big uh you know, they they came from behind against that uh uh Eastern Washington but lost a close game. Eastern Washington at 10-0 is making that trip to Sac State this weekend. They're taking on Sac State and Portland State. So, you know. They're going to lose. I really believe they're going to lose at some point. They have, you know, Montana State has the better uh, uh, margin per game right now. Um, Eastern Washington has hit big shots, which is major credit to them. They are an incredible team. Um, but, you know, they're, they're, they're riding a lot of magic right now. And who knows? So we'll see when that magic carpet ride wants to take a break or needs to fill up with gas or magic or whatever the analogy would be to complete that. But, you know, this that's going to be a huge game for them going to Sac State. Can't wait to see how that one plays out on Thursday. Yeah, playing that Sac State and then Portland State again Saturday. So, so two really high level matchups for them as well. And I think both those teams are going to be pretty motivated coming off of the week they just had playing against the Montana schools. Obviously, Sac State did get the big win over the Grizz, but I, I just feel like that's a game to watch, like you just said. And, um, two really tough opponents coming up, but especially that Thursday night game at Sac State for Eastern Washington and, you know, MSU's got to keep taking care of business, obviously, but they are going to need a little help, and uh, this would be a great time for it. 
No doubt. So, you know, you just need them to lose one, and it puts everything on the line at the end of the season when the Cats go to Cheney, if Montana State can continue to take care of business. So the standings right now, Eastern Washington is 10-0. They're on a program-best 12-game winning streak. Montana State has the second-longest winning streak of the Big Sky right now. They've won their last three. They're 8-2. and two. Weber State did lose this weekend to Eastern, so they're 6-3. and three. So the Cats do have uh, the one-and-a-half game advantage over Weber State for that all-important second seed, which we talked about. Sac State is now 5-4. and four. Idaho State, 5-4. and four. Montana, 4-6. Four and six. They salvaged their weekend at Portland State to get back into that top six. Montana could end up being one of those final four seeds uh, playing on the first day and then playing one of the top two seeds if they advance. So, you know, really important for the Grizzlies from their perspective to get into that top six seed. And I'm sure Cats fans have a different perspective. Portland State is three and six. Northern Colorado, Northern Arizona are two and seven. Idaho is two and eight. Northern Arizona and Northern Colorado are coming in next uh, for Montana State. Back at home, their first Big Sky game of the year with students and classes in session. So I know they're very, very excited to be home in front of their uh, their classmates, their their friends, and and everybody. So that's a 7 o'clock tip on Thursday and a 4 o'clock tip on Saturday against Northern Colorado. Yeah, meaningful basketball being played going into February. That's all we can ask for. That's what we expected. That's what these fans, these teams all expected going into this season. And now it's time to take care of business. And uh, that that's really exciting. Yeah, so that NAU team is good. Jalen Cohn uh, is their leading scorer. He was the transfer from Virginia Tech. Tech. He's every bit of an ACC prospect. And uh, Xavier Fuller was a guy who had a massive game against the Cats in that first meeting. And he has stayed hot since then. Uh, and NAU just ended a losing streak with a win against their travel rival, Northern Colorado, last weekend. So they had the one-game week last week. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big game, and they're going to come in hungry, and, and they're definitely a better team than that 2-7. and seven. Like they, they can really, really score with some of the best of them. Can't overlook any games in this conference. That's what I've learned so far this season. Yeah, no doubt. So that's what's coming up. Uh, very excited about it, and uh, here we go, man. We're, in, we're into February. Yeah, let's do it, man. It's crunch time. I love it. I love it. So, um, all right, content schedule. Uh, uh we're taping this on Monday nights. Uh, usually gets posted about Tuesday morning. Uh, Tuesday night, six thirty. Cat chat over at Montana's Ribbon Chop House. We're talking to Robert Ford and Cola Bad Bear. Um, of course, we talked to Sprinkle and Binford, so we cover both. And then, uh, the Bobcat Insider TV show is on Tuesday nights at nine o'clock on the CW. And then both teams are playing on Thursday and Saturday against Northern Arizona and Northern Air, uh, Northern Colorado. Men are at home, women are on the road and. Here we go, man. Final full month of the regular season. Yeah, every game's a big one now in this second half, especially with both teams sitting high in the standings. Um, the women obviously controlling their own destiny. And the men, if Eastern can take a loss, then they're kind of in a position to control their own destiny, depending on how things look going into that final game on that Monday night at the end of the month. So it's exciting. Just got to control the controllables. All right, that'll wrap up this episode of the Bobcat Insider Podcast. Any other final thoughts, Daniel? Go Cats, man. That's it. The Bobcat Insider Podcast is brought to you by Blackfoot Communications. Uh, for Daniel Sally, I'm Keaton Glogley saying so long and looking forward to talking to you more this weekend uh, as uh, the Cats take on uh, Northern Arizona and Northern Colorado on both the men's and the women's side. Until next time, go Cats. You've been listening to the Bobcat Insider. Be sure to stay up to date with all things Montana State Athletics by visiting msubobcats.com and by following the Cats on social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram using the handle msubobcats. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the Bobcat Sports Network.